Hi! Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, DJ LaLama, new member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, went through some serious health scares. Lucky to be here, he says. Great conversation. Also, Jeff Braun and I watch and review Tin Cup, which is less a sports movie and more a rom-com, but that's okay. And an update on my rink journey and why I've got an enormous bruise on my left leg. That's on the podcast. Winnipeg Blue Bombers free agency. They've been relatively quiet, but they've brought in a hometown player. Went to the University of Manitoba. Had a great career there. DJ Lalama joins the show now, linebacker signing with the Blue Bombers. DJ, welcome to the sports show. And how does it feel to sign a contract with your hometown team? Hey, Christian, thanks for having me. No, uh, you know, it, it was a dream come true. Um, you know, putting pen to paper and, um, you know, being able to put on that jersey and, and wear that helmet in front of your, you know, family and friends. Uh, nothing gets better than that. So when you're on the field, with the Bisons, you have five years there. Do you, do you ever really think about where you'd play next? Did that thought really enter your mind? Uh, you know, not until my last year. Um, you know, you're you're kind of consumed with what's going on, um, being a Bison, um, trying to win a Vanier Cup, kind of at the forefront. And, you know, obviously as you move into your draft year, um, the perspective of, of playing at the next level becomes a little bit more real. Um, so definitely you start thinking about, you know, maybe where you could fall, uh, depending on how teams use ratios and, you know, what kind of guys they have there. But at the end of the day, you know, you're not really in control of of who picks you. Um, you just hope to impress one team and, and get your shot. Now you had a taste, a brief taste before your final year at U of M with Edmonton, correct? Yes. Yes, I did. So what was that process like kind of seeing inside the the structure of the league before heading back to college for one more year? Um, you know, I don't think I have the success at the college level um, without that, without that experience in Edmonton. Um, you grow up pretty fast. Uh, you know, you find guys that have been, you know, doing that in the league for, for 10 years. Um, one guy in particular for me was JC Sherritt. Um, so you're around this guy for, you know, for myself, it was about six weeks um, and you, you learn as much in that six weeks as potentially, you know, as what you learn in five years in college. Um, from a football standpoint, how to be a pro, um, you know, what goes in, uh, in into it day in and day out to uh, to be successful. And um, I tried to carry that with me, obviously, when I came back to the U of M. And, and I'd like to think it worked out. And then you went to Montreal where you suffered an injury. Kind of explain to those who may not know what happened to you. Yeah, so, I mean, I enjoyed my first year in Montreal. Um, beautiful city, great organization, uh, a lot of quality people. Um, and then coming back from my second year there, uh, just a simple inter-squad game, uh, going through it, uh, you know, just like another day in practice. And uh, my shoulder popped out. Uh, when it popped out, it, it basically tore um, everything around it. Um, so right away I knew it was pretty severe. And uh, the doctors there kind of told me, yeah, uh, your season is, is done. Uh, it's just a matter of where you get your surgery, whether you want to stay here or go back to Winnipeg. Uh, luckily enough, uh, no Dr. McDonald here, and, and he took care of me. So came back home, started that process. Um, and then, yeah, and then obviously the the blood clot situation uh, put a little wrench in, in the rehab process, but all is good now and um, feel very fortunate to uh, to even be here talking to you. So when you were, when that shoulder injury happened, where you're making a tackle, what happened? 
I was just getting off a block. We were actually on a punt team and, uh, you know, just, just blocking a guy and went to get off and just my arm got caught the wrong way. And, you know, one of those funny things that happens in sports, you, you do it a hundred times every day. And, you know, the one time it, it just doesn't want to work out for you. Now explain the blood clot situation that you had after the surgery. Sure. Um, so I actually got diagnosed with an abnormality in terms of blood clot formations. Um, they call it hereditary in nature, but uh, basically I'm more susceptible to forming uh, blood clots, whether it be from inactivity, um, you know, in planes, uh, long car rides. Um, so with my shoulder surgery and then obviously being immobile for a period of time there to let that heal, um, a blood clot had formed. And by the time I had all the symptoms, it had reached my right lung, um, which for, you know, for many reasons is, is pretty scary. Um, so they caught it just in time and um, luckily enough was able to get on blood thinners and, and take care of it. And now it's just a matter of, you know, being extra cautious when it comes to, uh, you know, anything of that nature. Throughout and all this process, was there ever a moment where you kind of stopped and thought your career could be done? Uh, I mean, most definitely. Um, that's not something that's easy to say. You, you know, I don't think anybody wants something that they are very passionate about to be taken away from them um, without a say. But, uh, you know, as certain things started unfolding, I, I definitely, you know, mentally anyway, was trying to get myself ready for, you know, bad news. Uh, the, kind of the worst case scenario, just in case that um, is where I was headed. Uh, luckily, you know, God works in mysterious ways and um, you know, I'm able to play football again, so they'll seem like a distant memory now. So to come out on the other side of this, does it give you kind of a different perspective on what you're doing on the field? A hundred percent. You know that, and then you can tie that right into, you know, being a hometown kid. Um, you know, I actually got my clearance from my hematologist like less than 24 hours before uh, Kyle Walters had called uh, with a contract. So it's, it's, it's a funny, you know, it's a funny world we live in and, and timing is truly everything. And, um, you know, when I run out of that tunnel, you know, it's everything now is, is just bonus. It's just the gravy on top of it all. Um, you know, the doctor that I had saw about the blood clot, you know, nine out of 10 people uh, with the case or the, the symptoms I had, you know, probably aren't making it. Um, so now to be able to play football and do it for your city, do it for your hometown, do it for a great organization, a great fan base, um, you know, it's crazy. Um, it's a crazy whirlwind and, and something I'm very much looking forward to. Did you grow up cheering for the Bombers? 100%. Old Canada in the stadium, freezing my butt off. <laughs> Who was your favorite player? Uh, back then, um, I'll be completely honest, I was a big Mike Sellers fan. Uh, and Charles Roberts, I used to play running back growing up. So uh, Mike Sellers and Charles, Charles Roberts, you know, patrolling the backfield there. Uh, that was something to watch. Did your, I guess, parents already have these the Blue Bombers jerseys ready to break out when you're back on the field there? Yeah, they do. They, even when I was in Montreal, you know, they always had to wear a, a bomber something. They're diehard bomber fans. So, um, you know, they're definitely excited, uh, maybe even more so excited than I am to, you know, to be able to wear all that. And it's a, it's a great family atmosphere right now. It's, it's, it's a fun time in my life, and I think they're pretty excited too. So when you got that call from Kyle, what was that like? Uh, you know what? It actually went through my agent. So okay. I was actually in the gym uh, getting a workout in, and uh, my agent called, and I answered, and he's like, uh, so you want to stay home? And I kind of misheard him, and I thought he was just saying, like, am I home right now? Um, he's like, no, 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 like, do you want to be a bomber? Um, and let's just say that process was pretty 
was pretty quick. Um, it's something that I've always thought about. Um, some, you know, something that I always wanted to achieve and um, definitely feel like I'm on the right path now to, uh, you know, to making that happen. So where do you feel you fit into the, the Bombers plans going forward here? You know what? I mean, that's, that's really a, a question for Kyle and, and Coach O'Shea. Um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to do anything and everything um, to contribute. Um, like I said, offense, defense, special teams. I mean, obviously special teams is, is typically where Canadians, young guys like myself, um, you know, can make a name for themselves or, or contribute right away. And, and I hope I have the opportunity to do that. And then obviously, you know, hopefully at some time, you know, be able to contribute on defense as well. Um, but at the end of the day, it's their choice. Um, you know, wherever they see the best fit. I mean, I'm more than willing to, to go to war for that. Have you talked to uh, anyone on the team so far since you signed? Yeah, I've talked to a couple guys. Um, obviously, I have a lot of close friends there from my Bison days or, you know, just being around Winnipeg. Um, so, I mean, the obvious guys, Nick Dembski, um, Andrew Harris, uh, guys that I see quite often in the offseason. Uh, Medlock had reached out, uh, Chad Rempel, a um, couple of the coaches. So it, it's been it's been great to see. Um, and like I said, I'm just super excited to be here and, and super excited to get this thing going. Well, DJ, congratulations on the contract. Glad you made it through the the journey that you have to be here. And best of luck as we head towards the start of the season. Hey, man, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on again. It's a long weekend this past weekend. I had nothing better to do than just go for some skates. And now I'm within shouting distance of my rink journey being over. 59 rinks out of 75 that I've done so far. Norwood and Glenwood I did before the Jets came Saturday. Kids out practicing at Norwood was pretty cool to see. I had some time. Norquay was on the list. And again, I'm going by the city of Winnipeg's list on their website. The rink at Norquay was the size of my, no, it's probably smaller than my one-bedroom apartment. So, not a lot of hockey stuff you can do on that. Sinclair Park's on the list. There's no rink there. That's a total lie. Sunday, went to East Elmwood. It was covered in the snow, so we just went over to Valley Gardens. Greg Mackling and his son Alex joined us for some skating action. They had a sponge hockey tournament on the good rink, so I had to do some shoveling. Uh, then Park City West, not on the city's website. They had one sheet that was just immaculate, but there was no net on it, so I just did some skating with the puck. That was fun. Sir William Osler. Yesterday, I got an invite on the internet. Someone said, hey, we're doing this event noon to four, a fundraiser because Sir William Osler, it's not city run. The neighborhood takes care of it. And I think that's really cool. So they had hot dogs, they had hamburgers, they had a bunch of kids on the ice. And I went out on the ice and uh, I got hurt, kind of. I mean, I'm, I'm fine. But I took a shot and there's a lot of kids, but there was everyone was at one end at this very moment. So I took a shot. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to go get the puck out of the net. And all of a sudden, boof, back of my left leg, someone slap shot right in the thigh. I wince. I turn around. I hear kids saying sorry. And I look at the kid and I say, and I quote, and this probably isn't the best thing. What are you thinking, dude? To like a 13-year-old. And he said, sorry, you weren't there when I shot it. You skated into it. Oh, so it's my fault. Sorry, you just ran into my bullet after I shot it. It's your fault. Anyway, I didn't talk back to him after that. I just kind of skated around and then left. 
I have an enormous bruise. I'm fine. My leg works. It's not going to fall off. You can see pictures at CGOB Twitter is my Twitter handle. At CGOB Twitter. At CGOB Christian is my Twitter handle. Uh, Also went to Norbury and uh, Greendale Park yesterday. So six rinks on the weekend plus Sir William Osler. A lot of skating. I have a battle scar now. A lot of curling this week I'm going to watch. But I'm going to finish this. It's going to happen, folks. And when I do... Better get a key to the city. Tin Cup. Remember, I don't go into these movies knowing really anything about them. I thought this was a sports movie. Well. All I knew about Tin Cup going in was that it was a movie about golf and Kevin Costner is in it. And I was unaware of just how much this really was a romantic comedy. Yeah, I wasn't really expecting that either. Although the cover is him and Rene Russo hugging each other, I think. Yeah, and it makes pretty big reference to the fact that they're going to end up together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weirdly, it's a weird structure for a rom-com, though. Like, And it's two hours and 15 minutes, and here's my quick, here's how you get a, a nice one hour, 40 minute movie out of this. Yada, yada, yada. He has to golf against Don Johnson, and in the process of the weekend tournament, uh, he steals his girlfriend away from him at the end or whatever, right? Like, yeah. uh, that's regular. That's like the, the Happy Gilmore version of this, except with these people, would be just fine. Instead, it's much more convoluted. They jump right into the romance way sooner than you would expect. Right. Like when he says, I love you to her and stuff like that. And it's a two-hour, 15-minute long, long movie. It doesn't need to be that long. So Kevin Costner is a, a good golfer that's running this driving range that I never saw any patron use other than Rene Russo's character. That's why he has to live in the Winnebago. <laughs> And he's, you know, he's good, but he's a head case and he's just, he's got no money. And then Rene Russo's character, this doctor who's dating his rival, of course, yeah. a, a professional golfer played by Don Johnson. She takes swing lessons from him. He falls in love with her. He's like, oh, I can't get her. So he decides to qualify for the U.S. Open. To impress her. To impress her. He does, has a terrible first round. But then Rene Russo's character leaves Don Johnson because Don Johnson's secretly yeah. a bad person. That thing with uh, the old people is like, could you autograph this for my grandkid? And this is after someone has told her, by the way, he hates kids, old peoples, and, 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 dogs, and, and dogs when the cameras are off. Yeah. And, and then they have all three. <laughs> and it's like, he's oh, like I'm not way. signing that. And he's like, what an ugly dog. Would you mind giving our grandson an autograph? Can you people not see that I'm busy? I'm working here. This is my office. Do I come to your office and ask you for your autograph? I don't think so. Jesus, I'm an ugly dog. That was my favorite part. It was so weird. And did you know that those are actually Kevin Costner's parents and son? Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yes. So that's the... That's that's a good cameo. There's a lot of cameos. That's a good cameo. That's a good cameo. So he gets Rene Russo's character, and suddenly he's really good. Breaks the uh, record, 62, which is... The lowest score at a major, it's happened now once. Brandon okay. Grace at the Open Championship a couple of years ago, but right. 62 was a magical number. And uh, it all ends up the final round. He keeps putting the ball in the water on 18 from the fairway, like going five with the three wood like on the first round, second round, third round. So is he going to play it safe in the fourth round? No. He <laughs> takes like six tries. He'll... That's it, though. You would <laughs> expect that he would make it on that first shot and be the hero, right? Yeah, but then he... He but just keeps going at it. He blows up as per usual, sinks it on the 12th try, goes crazy, and then, like, after he's off the green, realizes, oh, crap, I just blew the open. 
I felt legitimately gutted when he the ball rolled in the water and he lost. I'm like, yeah. oh no, he lost because every sports movie they're expected to win. Yeah, that's was that's refreshing because I mean we've already seen that a lot of these movies sort of follow the same kind of formula to some degree, right? Including our heroes winning whatever sport they're doing at the end. Pumps like five into the water, and so he hasn't learned anything throughout the movie. That was my I was, at the end of the movie. I was like, usually someone walks away with. Well, the a mor- different point of well, view or something. He got the girl, and the moral of the story is he just stood by his principles of just going for it. And that's why Rene Russo loves him, because okay, he just so, goes for it. So he wins in love, being like uh, uh, the bullheaded kind of guy he is, but loses in the rest of life. But then Rene so Russo's poor, but happy. immortality is your 12. And I'd be thinking, no, he lost the U.S. Open. Well, didn't a guy drop a bunch in the water a couple years ago? Well, it's happened yeah, before. There, I remember specifically there was an incident where this well, one— Well, Sergio Garcia had happened to him a few years ago. It wasn't a major, but he put—I think he quadruple bogeyed 17 and tripled 18, and people called it his Tim Cup moment. Yeah, okay. But— this movie was a very it was romantic comedy, romantic comedy, but then the actual golf part, the 25 minutes that was kind of the U.S. Open, I thought it was really well done. Yeah, it was cool. And there were a couple of shots where I was just like, how did they do that? Like in the qualifying, when he, he does this chip that goes in, and the camera's just on him the whole time. Now the ball does sail up and then come sailing down uh-huh. that we don't see, but it comes sailing down in a way that it would be just as hard for like a production assistant to toss the ball and get it to go into the hole it would have been for him to chip it in so I guess he really chipped that one in well and Costner took a lot of golf lessons from Gary McCord who is a commentator and also the guy doing the play-by-play on the soda fountain dispenser when he tried to hit the the ball into a pelican yeah Yeah. (laughs) but Cheech Marin is is he the ideal caddy for the running commentary he is yes He's fantastic sidekick. There were a he lot is of a fan. Yeah, I would also point out this movie came out in '96, I believe, and I think it's basically the first time we saw Cheech as anything other than Cheech. So everyone was like, "Oh, wow, what a what an affable gentleman this guy is. He's he's just fun to be around, and it's he's not just pretending to be stoned and doing stoner jokes." Rooms. Yeah. Something's terribly wrong. Rooms. Something's wrong. Yeah, it's okay. Well. Uh, well, what's your guess? It's got to be the woman. I thought you said it was a virus. Well, a woman can have the same effect. Apparently he also hated golf until this movie and then afterwards liked it. So, yeah. And that's where we met Don Johnson. They would start doing Nash Bridges the next TV season. Okay. Which, and Nash Bridges is a very important show to me because it brought together Carlton Cuse, who was running it, and a young writer named Damon Lindelof, and those two guys would go on to run Lost for six years and make one of the best TV shows of all time. We often talk with these sports movies about how much they use real-life people, and CBS Sports, actual Jim Nance, a number of actual professional golfers. This was the real deal. It was the U.S. Open. It wasn't uh, the American Golf Championship or something silly like that. Right. It was all licensed yeah. and, first of all, and all very young Jim Nance. <laughs> that was weird. And a Phil Mickelson. Very young Phil Mickelson. And I didn't recognize anybody else. I knew the names, but it was kind of before my time. I will say this much. They not- name dropped John Daly a lot. Never, He wasn't in the movie, though, because John Daly in the mid-90s was kind of a hot player, right? Yeah. And while but, they're shooting the movie, he's probably in Vegas. Yeah. So. And Don Johnson's character kind of reminded me of present-day Phil Mickelson. He had the mullet. He had the visor. He, Phil doesn't wear a visor anymore, but also, like, smarmy and probably kind of gross off camera. Yeah, yeah. So that was— uh, yeah. They shouldn't put Kevin Costner and Don Johnson in the same movie, period. They, 
They look. They should be playing brothers in something. They look almost exactly the same. Two very handsome men. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was just blown away by all the real golfers and commentators. And that must have been a kind of a blast for them to be in a movie like that because it was a, yeah. a real. Uh, how many real kind of golf movies have there been like that? There was uh, Unhappy Gilmore. They Fern Lundquist was in it, and Lee Trevino. Lee Trevino was, was, was in it. it. Yeah. Yes. So, but that's it, right? And these guys would be excited that it was an actual golf movie, quote unquote. Yeah, I, I don't know, even though what I'm feeling right, this is the most painful thing I've ever seen. I mean, he knew Much it was, was going to come down to the final round, and he'd be in the fairway, and he'd be playing with Sims, and he'd kind of blow it. Peter Jacobson, by the way, is an actual golfer, the other guy that was oh, that in the lead. Against- yeah, he's an actual golfer. Uh, apparently, Dennis Quaid, a lot of like actors turn down roles in this. Dennis Quaid said he regretted turning down Don Johnson's part. Yeah, you should be in it too, and the three of them can play triplets. <laughs> they all look the same. It was so weird. I I miss the casual swearing. That's like this is a hard R movie. They don't make movies like this. if they made this movie today. Well, there's a ton of swearing. There was a lot of swearing. I thought oh, if I don't they made think this movie today, there would be none. But it's a they golf would pull course. the F trigger once, and that's it. But it was realistic because if you've ever golfed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> why I like to go golfing, just for the swearing. The the time I laughed the most was at the very end when Cheech's character Romeo was tangoing with the uh, exotic dancer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, if you run out of balls, it is not a disqualification. Was it at the time, 23 no. years ago? No. no. You can just get. You can just grab up some more balls. Phrasing. Even when you're already in the middle of the game and like yeah. on the you course, you can just go up to to another guy and be like, "Can I have some balls?" And they can yeah. give you some balls. Right. Yeah. Uh, but but it okay. has to be the exact kind of ball you were playing with. Really? So if it's a Titleist V1 or whatever, you can't go get a top flight or something like that. It's got to be that same model of ball. That's weird. Very specific. Golf is full of strange rules. I would have. I've been disqualified from every round I've ever played because they've never <laughs> gone around oh. using the same ball. We I, also <laughs> don't. We don't play professionally. No. Just important to note in case anyone was confused. So thoughts. Uh, I like this movie. I liked it a lot. Again, uh, I wish I would have seen it when it came out because, but I didn't because I didn't like Kevin Costner. I love him now. I thought it was just. It's just laid back and relaxed. It's so breezy. But 20 minutes too long. Yeah, it makes it too long. They they could have cut some stuff out of that. But And Rene Russo's character doesn't totally track because she's so conservative and buttoned up at the beginning. But But he allows her to let free. You're right, Roy. Just knock it on. Let her rip. (laughs) Oh, Molly, you're losing it. Oh, I have lost it. (laughs) So is he. (laughs) Seems like she's sort of like that anyways. So, like, I counted that up. That's more just movie trickery to get us to fall for it and then yeah. to reveal. So that I didn't quite buy. I liked all the armadillos that were in it. <laughs> um, oh, Rene Russo again, by the way. That was the one connection we had yeah. with previous movies. She's in Major League. Yes. I looked up her IMDb. Unless we do Major League 2, we have tapped her out for sports movies. Okay, so. that's fine. So the rating. The rating. Oh, let's see. What's par? 72? Depends on the course. I'd say I'd give this This is a 68. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say it's... Uh, Seven and a half, three woods into the lake out of ten. <laughs> That's good. Check out the CJOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. with Christian O'Mell and the Sports Show Podcast. Not available on iTunes, not available on Google Podcasts, not available anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Yes. <laughs>